Well, good morning, and good morning to the 60 brothers and sisters up in the Fellowship Hall as well, listening in our scripture reading. We're going to start in Matthew 25, if you would turn Matthew 25, and then turn with your finger over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So we're going to be in two places here in our scripture reading. 1 Thessalonians 5 and Matthew 25. Beginning at Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Well, the last person you would want to bump into late at night in downtown ancient Rome was the Emperor Nero himself. According to Suetonius, the historian, 
Nero would often disguise himself with a wig and a hat, and he would roam the city streets with his gang. And every time they came across a man who was by himself, they would beat him up. Suetonius also says that Nero delighted to break into different stores and shops and steal whatever he could, and he would sell the wares at the palace gift shop. (laughs) Juvenal, another Roman historian, wrote of the nightlife in Rome, if you go out to dinner without making your will, you're considered careless. (laughs) It was dangerous to go out at night. There would be drunken people, there were brawls. When rich men would come by, they would come on their, on their sedans, their, their cart, and they had their own security teams. And these security teams would just beat anybody who was in the way. And there was no shortage of thieves to rob you. This was the nightlife of Rome. Now, the night has always been the preferred time of people who are up to no good. And in our text in 1 Thessalonians, in verse 2, is mentioned the thief in the night. The thief in the night. This was a reality that every Roman citizen knew. It was part of their daily concern. They didn't want to go out if you were smart. It was dangerous at night to be on the streets of Rome. And we're told that the day of the Lord, in verse 2, will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is a common phrase referring to the judgment of God, the final judgment of God upon the sins of unrighteous men. Amos says it's the Day of the Lord is darkness, not light, gloom with no brightness. Zephaniah calls it the day of wrath. That is the wrath of God poured out against mankind. A day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom. And the metaphor for this coming day is the thief in the night. It underlines the suddenness of the coming of judgment. It underlines the unexpectedness in the community. It it underlines the unwelcomeness. It's unwelcome to people. Charlene and I, we think, have been robbed four times uh, that we know of. (laughs) It's always been at night. Once it was two Jerry gas cans, two red gas cans, stolen out of our carport up north. Once it was a bike. Once it was a trailer for behind a bike. And once our car was gone through at night, I would have locked it if I had known they were coming. (laughs) It's always a surprise. It's always sudden and unwelcome. And for our fellow citizens of Canada, when the judgment of God falls, when the wrath of God comes, and come it will, it will be unwelcome, it will be unexpected, 
It will be sudden for them. Because they are going through their lives with the attitude, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing's going to be different. Everything just continues on. They expect their lives just to go unfold like other people's lives. And they scoff now at the thought of his judgment and the return of Christ. But they won't scoff then. They mock now, but they won't mock then. The coming of the Lord is going to be entirely inconvenient to their plans inconvenient to their lives, their desires. The text says here in verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, the people saying is actually the word people. It's not in the text. It's inferred by some translators. Literally, it's when they say these words would be a more accurate when they say. And that's more accurate because when we say people, well, it can mean everyone, but when they say it's focused on a particular group of people who are saying peace, security. And the people who were saying that were the politicians of the day in Rome. For hundreds of years, these were the two words of imperial propaganda. Pax, peace, and securitas, security. They were drilled into the minds of the Romans that that this is what the government provided to them, peace and security. It it was the, the political slogans of the empire. It was the slogan of armies. It was the slogans of the, of the senators and the bureaucracies and the political class convincing, seeking to convince the population that, that things were better with them in charge. While this sort of sloganeering continues to this day, even in our election tomorrow, The Liberal Party has the slogan, forward for everyone. The conservatives are going with secure the future. Secure, securitas. The NDP slogan is fighting for you. (laughs) You get the idea, you see. Like all slogans, they really are meant to serve as, as messaging or propaganda to, to excite the population, either to keep the status quo of power or in democratic countries to change that power to a new group. And in Rome, peace and security was meant to preserve the ruling class. It, it, it cast the leaders as protectors of the people. It painted them as, as those who were like Parents overseeing children, you know, seeing to their family and their property and their life. There are, in fact, inscriptions all over Asia, Minor, Italy, Greece, Spain, wherever the Roman Empire was, there's inscriptions on monuments, on walls, on pillars that contain the words, Pax. Securitas. 
one of the most famous because it is so long, is this, the Lord Marcus Flavius Bonus, the illustrious Comus and Dukes of the First Legion, has ruled over us in peace and given constant peace and security to travelers and to the people. Now, of course, as you know, these are just words. I mean, the Roman peace came with a lot of violence attached to it. Crucifixions, slaughters, armies raping and looting, oppressing, whole populations being enslaved. Half of the people in the Roman city, Rome, were slaves. So, Pacts and securitas were words of propaganda. Sort of like ours in the Commonwealth, we have peace, order, and good government. That's all in the Commonwealth founding documents and throughout the Commonwealth. These words appear frequently, peace, order, and good government. Uh, And yet we are far from a godly country. Roman coins was a convenient tool to get the message out. So most of the Roman coins would have stamped into the silver either the word Pax or Securitas because the common man then would be able to read it, be able to see it. It was a way of getting the message out. And really what the empire and the bureaucracy was saying is to the population, is saying, go to sleep, go to sleep. All is well, we have your back. We never rest so that you can. Leave it up to us, go about your lives. Eat, drink, marry, give in marriage, plow your fields, grind your grain. Things will continue as they always have, just trust us. We will let nothing disturb your rest. Many people use a fan to sleep at night. The fan gives some background noise and perhaps it's, it's also used for the slight breeze they provide, but the, the drone of the sound just sort of numbs the brain a little bit and to the point where if there's no fan, you can't sleep because you're so used to it, right? Some of you, you need a fan to sleep. The drone helps you. And in the same way, the drone of the societal assurance is like a fan to people. Just droning on that you're protected. We'll fight crime. Your property is safe. Your life is safe. Don't worry. We'll be there when you need us. Trust us. We'll provide for you. We'll take care of you. Nothing is going to upset your world. Nothing's going to disturb your life. And the population sort of just drifts off to sleep into a slumber. Because slogans are meant to lead to slumber. The population to be at rest. Nothing can go wrong until it does. 
And COVID-19, certainly a small thing compared to what's coming. Understand that. This pandemic is a small thing compared to what is coming. But every government is just trying to reassure populations. They can manage this. They can handle this. And yet there is a new anxiety amongst many people. The world has been destabilized a little bit. And their slumber has become a little bit more fitful than it used to be. And the scripture is calling us to recognize the rhetoric and the empty words that come at us every day. He says, verse 2, you yourselves are fully aware of this. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, while they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. The end is coming, he says. The end is destruction. Judgment on the nations. And the nation's wickedness suddenly, unexpectedly, and no political slogan, and no founding document, and no Canadian values, no political party, no election is going to stop or hinder or hold back the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the wrath of God that is coming. Paul inserts a new metaphor when he says the destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. <laughs> he uses that image. A, a, a pregnant woman suddenly goes into labor. You, you don't plan the time. The baby's coming now. There's no stopping the baby. It's coming now. There's no stopping. Charlene and I were once startled, awake, by the whole house shaking, crash, boom, I was. 2.30 in the morning as I looked at the clock and I ran out front, looked out the window, and there was a man on our front porch who was taking leaps, trying to kick in our front door. Crash, boom, it was just, wow. Flying leaps. Later, I saw his footprint about six feet high on the door. The police came. Turned out he'd been drinking and got his own house mixed up with our house. He couldn't understand why his wife wouldn't let him in. <laughs> but for Charlene and I, it was what a shock to be woken up that way. And a terrifying shock is coming upon the world. It's not yet, but it's coming. In our own country, it's going to be unwelcome. It's going to be sudden and unexpected, and it's going to be a calamity of calamities. And this calamity, the judgment of God, the final judgment, it's not thought possible by our fellow citizens. I mean, it, to, to them, it's unthinkable. I mean, we are prosperous. We are good people. I mean, come on, we're Canadian. 
We're not deserving the judgment of God. We're loved by God. I mean, we're mild. We're unassuming. We're Canadian. We, we wear maple leaves on our jackets when we travel abroad because everybody loves Canadians. Even God loves Canadians. There's no way our citizens think. There's no way God would judge us. There's nothing to judge. And how vile to suggest it. How awful to suppose it. How hateful to speak of it. And yet, if ever there was a country deserving of God's judgment, it is our country. He says, it will be no escape, no escape. Jesus Christ will bring true justice and peace and security. He gives us, through his shed blood, peace with God Eternal peace and the assurance that we're kept by the power of his, his power. We're kept by his power unto salvation. He's made it his business to save us and bring us to glory. And his coming will, will not be welcomed by the powers and the political parties and the people. It's so inconvenient to them. And everything will crumble fall away that they are relying on. No election platform, no vote, they will not escape. And God in Christ will bring peace and security once for all. Not our government. No human government can do it. Not even any government that is made Christian. No. The one who brings it is the King of kings and Lord of lords and his government. And so the scripture says, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He says in verse four, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. It's in the darkness when these thieves come, but you're not in the darkness. He says, verse five, you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. Well, then that's not sleep. As others do, let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. <laughs> Notice how he extends the night metaphor. Uh, and he tells us that the darkness of the world is not unexpected. But we are not children of darkness. We are children of light in Jesus Christ as Christians. We're children of the day and the truth of God, the gospel. We walk in the, the day, the light of salvation. And so in the day we can see we're not put to sleep by the propaganda of our times, by the slogans of our times. 
And we are looking for our Savior. We expect him to come. We don't know when. We anticipate his coming. And we wait not in fear, but in expectation. There's been a great many hurricanes these last number of weeks coming up on either side of the coast of North America. And as always, shells empty out. People, last minute, they rush, get their batteries and so on and stock up on some food. But there are some people who don't have to do that because they're always ready. They have their stores. They have their emergency supplies. They don't need to run around. And that's sort of the image of the ten virgins with the oil. There were five of the virgins who had oil in their lamp. They were ready. They were not needing to run and go get some oil at the store. And so they're ready. Our world is missing its oil. It's too late when he comes. And we know it's going to be sudden. We expect him. And so we're prepared and we're ready and we're welcoming him and we're keeping short accounts and we're walking in purity and holiness and expecting Jesus Christ. We don't sleep, he says. We don't slumber. We're not put to sleep by our government, by our media, by our entertainment, by which is often like an anesthetic to the population, just putting them to sleep. We are watchful, we are alert. We are sleepless in Sarnia, wakeful in Wyoming, and we are prepared in petroleum. And that took some work, I'll tell you that right there. <laughs> petroleum took some work, I had to get the dictionary out and go through every P, okay? We're prepared in petroleum. And they say everything will be okay. They say peace, security. They say things are going to continue on as they always have. It's not true. Canada will not last forever. No. The, the world lurches right now from one crisis to another, one disaster to another, one pandemic to something else is coming. And some of you have fears as Christians. Do not fear. Some of you are so anxious about the present time. Be strong, don't fear. Some of you are dismayed over what's happening in the news. Be not dismayed. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Our hope is not in government. It's not in the bureaucracies. It's not in turning government Christian. It's not in peace. It's not in worldly peace or worldly security which they offer, which are just words. He tells us, look, he says, put on, verse 8, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith, love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Notice the triad, the familiar triad, faith, love, and hope. This is how we live. And our Father knows all, and he loves us. Like when your child was born, and you held your baby in your arms. You tell your baby not to fuss. That you would see to everything. That you would care for them. 
and you would protect them and you would love them and the baby is peaceful, secure in his father's arms. Our father holds us and he holds us fast as we sang. Our hope is in Christ Jesus and our God is the only source of peace and security. Everything in this world, everything in Canada, everything in your bank account, everything in your property, everything that people rely on can be gone in an instant. And yet the scripture says that God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. <laughs> and so verse 11, let's close there. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement and the reminder Oh, we live in troubled days, but more trouble's coming. And your wrath will be poured out. Thank you that so many here this morning have oil in their lamp. They're ready. They have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive forgiveness for their sins and follow him. Seek to obey him and know him and be like him. Father, some here might have no oil in their lamp. They're not ready. They're not ready for the return of Jesus Christ. They're not ready for your wrath and your judgment that will fall. Oh, Lord, fall upon them in the power of your Holy Spirit. Cause them to fear and be anxious until they turn to Jesus asking for forgiveness, being cleansed by his blood, blood shed for them, for you at the cross. And that he, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God and he's coming again, just as he promised. Put your faith in Jesus if you haven't. Uh, not in this world and it's, lessons and propaganda. Find true peace and security in Christ Jesus. So Father, encourage us, help us to be there for each other, to love each other, to encourage each other in these troubled days and, and we'll need each other, Lord, so prepare us as the flock of, of God gathered here. And we pray together in Jesus' name, amen.